Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. Hi, I'm Paul and I'll be your host this evening. Hopefully I'll be joined by Bell, but I have some technical issues with him and also Stephen Harris joining us later on in the show. But um, before we uh, head into the show, a, uh, let's say a couple of things that we'll be covering off um, in the show today. We'll have a chat about red cards, obviously, because <laughs> let's be honest, we uh, have got the Corabetti incident to talk about. Um, there's some club rugby to talk about, which we'll probably try and hold that until Mr. Harris um, gets on in the second half of the show. Um, the Lions tests start this weekend and also the Ferro Palmer Cup kicked off last weekend. So we'll have a little bit of a chat um, about that as well. There's also a bit of World Cup qualification to talk about. So we'll, we'll um, touch on that one. And uh, as I said, joining me, assuming that he has a good microphone now, I've got some Boa. How are you doing, sir? Very well, thank you. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe. And uh, yeah, well, what a action-packed, eventful weekend we had. We had uh, we had cards. We had more cards. <laughs> and we had reversals, and uh, with some great club rugby, I have to admit, uh, from right around the country. So uh, yeah, no, it's been a great weekend, and great to be back on the show. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, thank you for being back. So. Um, and uh, folks, if you are interested in your club rugby and you think that uh, Ray Robinson's uh, um, disco dancing is good, then head over to the New Zealand Sports Radio Facebook page uh, and uh, we've got a fun video of the uh, Western Sharks, um, the uh, head, head coach, um, doing a razor. Um, so he uh, yes, got to, he said he would do it and then uh, tried to get out of it, but uh, in the end was forced into it. So yes, see him spinning around on the floor. And uh, wow. A surprise addition. We've got Austin Hayding, so Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. Just had to quick dash home after the old boxing fitness class and fight over the showers. So two yeah. fights, they wanted the boxing, they wanted the shower. Jeez. Yeah, uh, exactly. He's yeah. all battered and bruised now. And luckily, <laughs> um, luckily I went to judiciary and um, I didn't get um, any more further suspensions. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, obviously, yes, those the punching people in the head is it's perfectly legal, apparently. But there we go. Same be <laughs> fine um, with that one there. Um, good evening, Simon. Good to have you joining us. Okay, folks, you can join us on Facebook, 
uh, and YouTube, or you can, and Twitter actually, and give us comments. Join the show at 8 p.m. every Tuesday, or you can, uh, the other option is to listen to the podcast on New Zealand Sports Radio. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess we should probably cover off on some international rugby that's happened this weekend. Look, I had a bit of a big night on Friday night. Um, a and, bit. Uh, <laughs> okay, more than a bit of a big night on Friday night. Um, and uh, that meant that basically I wasn't used to man nor beast for the uh, the next two days until Monday. So I've not actually, and then I was working Monday, so I've not seen much um, international rugby. I, mean, I did watch um, the uh, some of the All Blacks um, versus Fiji, but my my recollection isn't great. Um, and uh, I think I, yeah, I caught a couple of glimpses of the Australia, uh, the France game as well. But again, I didn't see, I didn't manage to survive or stay awake through to the end of that game. But um, let's start off with the All Blacks against Fiji. I mean, another um, good win. Now, the Fiji missing their captain coming to this one. Not the same uh, intensity from them as there was um, the previous weekend. Uh, Ashwin, uh, didn't, didn't quite... Um, uh, oh, you can... to... oh, look, I mean, I, I think what it was is that uh, you, you could argue that actually the All Blacks bought better intensity <clears> than they did in the first week. Um, and obviously that, that um, sort of had an impact on Fiji and... And for some reason, I mean, like, obviously, some right. So there was, I, I thought early on there was good intensity. I mean, you know, Fiji put the first points on the board with the penalty. And I mean, they thought, hey, here we go. Because, you know, very, I mean, very early minutes. But All Blacks weren't really achieving much. And then the first touches that Fiji had, they broke the All Blacks open. Um, but as I said, All Blacks definitely had a better level of intensity. But something strange happened, I suppose, in that second half. And really the, it became a nothing game with about 20 minutes left. Yeah. It's sort of like, it just, it, it's something, it, the intensity of the whole game seems to have been gone with the last 20. I, for, for my mind, actually, the uh, I, I kind of gave up on the game uh, sort of mentally when we had the uh, the, the yellow card for Fiji, where uh, Fiji get warned about the, um, about the yellow card, about their repeated infringements, get told to go have a talk, um, and uh, don't really get set properly. Uh, they take the, the All Blacks take a quick penalty, off they go and score. And um, also, the even though a penalty is not given because they score uh, under advantage, uh, one of the Fiji players is yellow card, which I've not seen before, or or, or or you very rarely see that if it's uh, if it's advantage and someone goes on to score, normally you don't get that yellow card. So um, at that point, it's kind of like okay, yeah, this is a bit of a a bit of a waste I, I don't know. I disagree with you there. Um, I think we're starting. Right. We, you know, this is something we've um, actually. You know, we we go back a while, and one of the things that used to upset us quite a bit. I mean, we're talking across all games, not not any specific, but um, <clears throat> yep. was when oh, you know, next man goes to the bin, right? And so, right, the team goes for a line out because it's usually a line out they go for advantage, and they play on and they score a try. Well, hang on, you gave advantage because they infringed again. And the team scored, so technically, yeah, there should be a yellow card because they've infringed again. You know what? You're letting them off the hook because they scored, which the commentators <laughs> always relate to. Oh, he guys oh, dodged a bullet there because they scored a try, so they won't get back for the yellow card. So actually, it is something that we have discussed in the past, and they have actually now following through on is the fact is that just because they've scored doesn't mean that you get off, um, you know, with your infringement, which is right. I believe, but is, is it something they're following through on, or is this, or is this a one-off call that we won't see again? No, no I've seen it. it. I've seen it. I've seen it um, a few times now. 
over multiple games where even after the team has scored the try, a, a subsequent yellow card has come out as well. Bo, have you heard of that, uh, the change in that, um, what's what I get, uh, uh, sort of uh, interpretation for the referees? No, there's, there's, there's no change. It's always been like that. It's just that the referees haven't actually enforced it or uh, the lack of enforcing uh, or let me use the word incompetence. Um, this is something which has been discussed a number of times um, at World Rugby Educator Forums. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a World Rugby Educator. And, you know, once a year, every, all, all educators congregate, both from referees and coaches, and we discuss these matters. And this has been brought up a number of times. So uh, just, just to um, add to that, I think the, the yellow card was the correct decision. In fact, I thought the yellow card could have come a lot earlier where there were some very cynical, very, very cynical infringements. Um, And this weekend, I have to say, uh, the the weekend passed, the referee actually got the uh, breakdown analysis and policing of it spot on. Because what Fiji were doing is it's this thing called lay and pray. So you can imagine someone laying down and praying. Um, They don't support their own body not not because they're Christian. Nothing to do with religion. <laughs> this is a bit of a, a, a street smart rugby term we coaches come up with, lay and pray. Um, they use it in mixed martial arts as well. What what happens is it's they get very low. Uh, the, the, the gravity, uh, the uh, center of gravity is very low. They get into this uh, really nice jackal position. But what they're actually doing is uh, one of their knees or the thigh area is supporting onto the tackled player. It's something very difficult to pick. So kudos to the referee. He's done his homework and he picked that up very well. And soon as the referee, I think it was in the uh, 26th minute, he said, tackler, clear release. Soon as those words were uttered, it became a different ball game. Because once the ruck was policed in a legal, legitimate manner, it became a no contest. Why? Because Fiji couldn't keep up with uh, that pace. And also, uh, I think it was Nocturnal was uh, highlighting the clean-out was really good. Yeah, absolutely. You could see the, the all-black cleaners were yeah. right there. As soon as the, the ball carrier went down to the deck, we had numbers over and bang, it was lightning fast. It's what we call LQB, lightning quick ball, game over. It's, you know, it, it's something that we've talked about quite a lot on this show is the commentators and how they impact the um, knowledge of the rugby public out there, right? And they do not help the situation. We go back a week, and I think it was Ben O'Keefe that was the ref in the first test. Um, it was like, hey, look, I can't favour the All Blacks. Um, I'll look like a hometown ref. Because at the end of the day, the commentator's raving over Johnny Dyer's performance. But the reality is, if you analyse what he's saying, he's going past the ball, his hand's going to the ground. He's not supporting his own body weight. It's happening every single ruck. Um, unfortunately, the All Blacks had didn't deal with it and they didn't clean them out. Referee wasn't helping. Go forward to uh, to the second test, and you've got Dickinson out of Australia. There's no bias here now. Now he's pinging them because basically they're sealing the ball off um, every time, and that's what they weren't. They didn't get away with the second time, and that's where I think some of that enthusiasm, let's call it, from the Fijians got sucked out of them because at the end of the day, they started getting called for doing illegal activities at the ruck, which they got away with the week before. Same thing happened last year with the, the Los Pumas, you know, that first defeat they suffered, the All Blacks. If you look at uh, most of those jackal, those turnover, uh, turnovers uh, the Pumas were affecting, they weren't supporting their own body weight. As soon as we, you know, fast forward to the return game, 
uh, the, the breakdown started to be policed in a much, much better way. Uh, they, they, they just couldn't contest. And one thing I have to say is if you look at the All Blacks, they, they use a method or a tactical zero rock. What that means is they don't contest the opponent's breakdown. That's why the All Blacks don't give up as many obvious penalties. I have to say obvious penalties at the breakdown because they tend to stay on their feet and fan out. Uh, because I've, I've, I've had a number of questions uh, over the last few weeks. You know, my coach is asking me this question. The reason is the All Blacks have a lot are more disciplined at the breakdown, whereas most other teams are not. And Fiji happened to be one of them. <clears throat> the um, yeah, Dr. Wrights also mentioned about um, Arnie Svey. Look, both sides, uh, every team or every player will have a go at not supporting the body weight, thinking away with it. So yes, and sometimes they'll get away with it. Sometimes they won't. Um, that's uh, that's yeah, that's certainly uh, kind of happens. Yeah, just just in response, to, I mean, you know, if you've got if you've got one guy in your team that does it now every now and then, you're probably going to get away with it. But when you've got your team, the whole team, doing it consistently, it, it sticks out. And now you're not being an individual paint. You're, you're, it's your team. Is that's the way that you're playing, and the whole team is every time they go into the ruck is getting pinged. So I, I suppose you know someone like Artie Savi, absolutely. I mean, like you know, you go back into Super Rugby. I mean, Duplessis Karifi and, and his incorrect entries into a ruck, and this is like, it, it's just like you, you, you get away with it, you get away with it, and then you get picked up and you're you're stuffed, right? So Artie Savia, if he does it too often, he gets picked up too often. He's going to get pinged every time. Then he's in trouble. So all right, look, in the end, comfortable victory for the All Blacks. I think as 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 we probably were expecting. Um, yes, we're seeing, seeing Stephen Harris join the green room and keep leaving the green room. So we'll we'll, we'll try and bring him in when he's there and when there's a break. When in he the stays there. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess the, the other thing we should probably talk about is the All Blacks have named their um, the rugby championship um, test squad um, in this one. Um, so um, the uh, uh, yeah, no, Turner Wright's playing. Kieran Reid mentioned how good Sevilla and Jacobson were, but not Ioni um, Akiri. Yeah, look, I think. Um, Frizzell is uh, is better. I think Akira gave away a couple of uh, obvious penalties, um, and yeah, we'll see how um, we'll, we'll see how long his or how he goes but, as an All Black. Look, I I, I I need to look. I mean, yeah, look, he gave away a couple of obvious penalties, but it was really disappointing. Again, the influence of the commentators again, and, and, and that's a good example. Why aren't we talking about George Bauer? George Bauer gave away two silly penalties to start the game. You know, and but now yeah. we're picking. Now, hang on, we're saying, "Oh, Kerry Yuani gave away two penalties." It's like, hang on, this is like because the commentators yeah. mentioned the fact that Akira Yuani had given away two penalties. That's why. So the massive influence we have um, of our viewing from the commentators and the view that we take away. True. Um, but George Bauer, one of the things that uh, has happened though with those two penalties is he's no longer in the All Black squad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it was it was very much a, a temp, you know, when you're, you know, a few, few years back I had a business where I had a receptionist who, uh, you know, used to regularly call in sick. So I used to bring up a temp agency. So I think that was George Power. But I have to say, apart from those two penalties, he did uh, he had a, uh, a decent outing. He was very uh, visible, particularly in the rock cleaner. So I looked at his statistics, is, um, you know, hitting those attacking rocks and also getting into those defensive rocks. Um, you know, overall, I think everyone pretty much had a, a, a decent game, and, and uh, the 
the good thing is it it felt like the all blacks were really in control and when they wanted to crank up the pace they did and when they did you know fiji i have to say they they, they had a very good rush uh, a blitz defensive line uh and they did that very consistently but they just couldn't keep pace and the best example of that was that little uh flick pass by uh habili when he hit the line at pace there were three defenders converging on at at lightning speed none of them laid a finger on him that's how clinical and skilled this all black side was when I, in full flight i reckon we found that they, you know there's been question marks over the all black midfield pairing right <clears throat> i think a few more games with those two there and we found our all black pairing for the midfield yeah look 51 carrying meters off the off of first space so every time he touched the ball and i think he had something like 13 carries 51 meters that that's the phenomenal numbers so well done to the young man only 88 kilograms and and boy whenever he 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 hit that ball at pace he was just busting the gain line at will so fantastic outing and i think yeah we found our 12 i i think 12 and yeah and then alb at 13 and i i think it's pretty much they 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 have another couple of good games that's done and dusted there we go we've been looking for a few years So David Avili at 12 yeah I mean it's um yeah. yeah we've been looking for a good 12 um for 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 one let's just run through that um uh that that all black squad then so we've got Amua Coles and Taylor the hookers as expected some of Sony Tokilahi uh, obviously has had his uh, 20 minutes um and uh, I know Stephen Harris is uh, a little bit concerned that perhaps he will uh, we'll see if he gets any if, well if and when he gets more game time and obviously now he's not available for the island of his birth um from Sugaland uh in the unless Beijing. unless he goes to play for them for sevens and then comes in place for them again in 15s only for a, only in a world cup year playing for sevens but yes you're right <laughs> which we have had a few players do this year um monks of props and lalala lomax moody to arvo uh tonga kathy and uh, tonga fasi um so as we said no george bauer and also no ethan de groot um as well so he's um rushing back to uh, get back into uh npc um for that one uh any particular uh, stop me when you think that we've got a a something that's a surprise or worth or or, or needs talking about but i think um i don't think there's any big surprises in that section or in the locks for that matter with barrett retallic tupolotu but i am sam whitelock the only point i guess we should probably should say here is it's um is that uh, tupolotu is apparently mm-hmm. taking a sabbatical next year from super rugby Um, and we'll be up in Japan so um we'll see uh we'll see that one uh so yeah so obviously that'll be a big loss for uh, for Arsenal's Blues and also Bowers Blues that matter um but um I don't think any any sort of big surprises or any any sort of you know in the, in the front five I think it's pretty much as you as you'd have expected uh in the list loose forwards then Blackadder Frizell uh Akira Awani uh Jacobson Papillihi, Sadia and Hosking Satutu. Again, um no big surprises in that one. I guess the only point we probably should point out here is that um Ardi's got 50 caps. So congratulations on his 50 caps at the weekend by the way. Um uh, then the next most experienced player is Frizell with 14. And then you've got uh Hosking Satutu with 6, Papillihi Jacobson with 5, uh Kiran with 4 and Ethan Blacko with 2 caps. which is a it's uh it's amazing how inexperienced that loose trio is now and how uh, i guess uh, covid hasn't helped 
um, but sort of with Kieran Reid out, uh, um, obviously having retired off the Lottery World Cup uh, and um, with Sam Kane injured, suddenly it's looking very thin from an experienced point of view in that space. But again, I don't think anyone's missed out there that we'd expect. And, and no no out-and-out out genuine sevens in there? Um, no, no. I, I, I mean, Papilini and uh, and uh, Ardy would be considered sevens, I think. Uh, I mean, but I mean, like they're on the larger side of sevens, and and they get used in numbers in the well, Ardy gets used in every position in the back row, and yep. um, even Dalton can end up playing six as well. So he's played six for the Blues when they put Black Gibson on at seven. So um, yeah, I, mean, I think Dalton's probably the closest to a pure number seven, and you have got Ardy, who's um, started off as a seven but plays anywhere. Yeah, and then I mean. Sam Kane is he? A, he's not what you call a jackling seven. He's a tackling no. seven and a work rate yep. seven. So yep. I, I don't. I think um, from a style point of view, it's similar there. That yeah, that they don't have. Yeah, that's not something they're going for. Is that is, is having a jackling seven per se? And I think with um, the, the, the with the future of Test rugby, particularly in the uh, breakdown area, I think we're going to see some changes in the next few years, particularly around the safety. Now I know this this thing with that world rugby and safety, uh, they you know they mean well, but it kind of gets lost in transit. So what this uh, equates to is that when high performance coaches and selectors start looking for players uh, in in what we call a PO seven, I think the the sevens job description has changed slightly maybe over the last couple of seasons. So hence that's why we're seeing a lot of players who are. Uh, picked as generic back rowers and they played both six and seven. So the days of seeing players like uh, out and out Richie McCaw, a, a Neil back, that sort of thing might be in the bygone era, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see because there, there is, uh, the, you know, there, there are some trials around limiting the number of players who can uh, get involved in the breakdown and also what, what a jackler can and can't do. So um, I, I think we, we're going to we're going to see some changes, gentlemen. You you heard it here first. I I had to laugh, Bob, because it's like I, uh, one of the things I've been trying to do with my son's team is it's like okay, count how many are going to the ruck. One and two have gone, and does three and four have to go? And and this is like, and now I'm picturing in an international level. Oh, hang on, how many boys are gone? And three. Okay, one more can go, and one more go. And <laughs> <laughs> but I, the um. I, I guess uh, we'll, we'll, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more later on, but um, Hamish Watson of the Lions might be one of the last of that breed then because uh, he's not a big guy. Um, Hooper? But, um, Let's uh, not forget our know. friend Mr. Hooper. No, Hooper's, Hooper's more a linking seven than he is a jackling seven. He's a, he's a oh, he gets seven. a hell of a lot of turnovers for a linking seven. I have to say this. Uh, with Based on all the technical abilities and skills, I, I would rate Hamish Watson the best number seven in the world right now. Particularly around his tackle technique, is he's the only only high performance elite level player I see who actually tackles around the waist. And boy, he gets nice and low, absolute brutal technique. Gets right back on his feet and plays the ball. So uh, the the reality is, as far as a seven and a job description goes, it's going to be more a power based player, someone who can really you know uh, get involved in the collision, as opposed to play that thieving. Alibaba and the Forty Thieves style sort of uh, <laughs> rugby for better choice of words. It's interesting. Effectively, you're, you're, you're describing what Dalton was doing at Super Rugby level, pretty exactly. much. And, and I think he's, 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 
he's tailor made that for himself, and he's got he works on a certain set of skills, particularly as his individual primers I've noticed, uh, both at at Blues um, and at All Blacks training, where it's very specific. It's it's all about power. It's about knocking people over, bowling people over and bulldozing people. So we're going to see more and more of that as we uh, go along in the international season. Thought you're breaking into a bit of Liam Neeson there. He's got a certain set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, again, I don't think any big surprises there in, in, in the loose forwards. In the halfbacks, Aaron Smith, Brad Webber have been joined by TJ Perinara, um, which I guess might be the, uh, there's definitely a talking point around TJ. Um, so, um, Fossey yes, comes no. out and says his his contract negotiations shouldn't be uh, were, were potentially and uh, shouldn't have been come out in the public. And TJ's like, no, it was serious. I wasn't actually trying to bump up my price. A little bit of um, how many go at it, a little popping at each other in in the, in the press, which seems a little bit interesting. But um, I'm sure they'll sort well, it out. I, I have to say, I'm very very displeased at TJ being picked. I think he he should have been asked to have at least played you know three to four weeks of NPC. Um, and you know, prove proven his fitness because you have to understand he's coming from uh, a, a league where you know it's the, the competition and intensity is nowhere remotely close to what you'd expect at Tessel, particularly in and around the Allbacks uh, space. So yeah, a bit 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 annoyed at that, but look, end of the day, it is what it is. Um, and we we certainly had a bit of drama around Coach Ian Foster, uh, you know. Was, I mean, was, that a telling, was that a telling off saying, okay, so, TJ, behave yourself? Well, it was it, it was an attempt at, and then TJ came out and had to go back at him. So it would be interesting to see how they go in camp. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I mean, like, I, I sort of think, um, I, I have to, I, this is going to be rather strange because probably the first time it's happened is like, I have to agree with Ian Foster on this. This That, that, that was guys that consider going to league don't consider going to league because of the money. Okay, like now that the money is there in rugby, I mean, go back in time when rugby was amateur, guys went to league because there was money being was there. Now it's not a case of whether the money is there or not, because if you're after the money, you go to Japan, you go to France, right? You consider playing league because you want to have a go at it. Then yep. money is, as long as the money's not stupid, like stupid low, then you have a go at it if that's what your desire is, that's what your heart wants you to do. So I'm, I'm, that was all just a ploy on trying to get um, the contract with the NZRFU. We'll see. I, I, I think part of it was down to that um, he couldn't get proper insurance that would, that would guarantee him all blacks money. It would only guarantee him league money if he got injured, which I think was part of the problem. But anyway, um, may, maybe it was contract negotiations. Maybe it was he couldn't get all the pieces in place. Who knows? But the first game of the All Blacks plays next Bledisloe Cup on Saturday, the 7th of August. Uh, and the NPC, I'm going to quick um, check. Um, Actually, we, we, we didn't go into oh, the outside we backs. We didn't talk about the outside backs. Yeah, we'll get there. But we're talking about whether oh, TJ, okay. not TJ having to play NPC before playing. Um, so before oh, sorry. Playing, My bad. Yes. Um, so, uh, actually, yeah, so you're right. The next, yeah, the, 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 um, the blender flows on the same day as, as the NPC starts. But they have said that TJ will play NPC before playing. So it sounds like he might not join them for that first game. We'll just have to wait and see how that um, how it pans out. I did read that somewhere that he was going to be playing NPC. Um, outside backs in Bowden and uh, so so yeah, Bowden Barrett, Richard Moanga, first fives. Yep, no big surprise there. In the centres, Enor Havili, Rico, 
uh, Leonard Brown and uh, Quintapaya um, are, are in there. Any kind of surprises? I think we, we pretty much picked the best yep. available. Again, the question mark, I mean, is, is Lester Fyanganuku still in the outer? I, I, I think he, he's, he's worth a crack. And he might just get that opportunity, albeit through an injury. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see that space. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it's, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say there's anything controversial about it, but I mean, you could sort of say, hey, look, Braden in, or you could have sort of said, hey, look, go away, play a bit of NPC and then come back. It's not that you're not going to be outside the All Black scope. It's just the fact is that you probably had limited rugby time. Let's get you out there and playing a bit more. Yep. As opposed to, you know, possibly sitting on the bench, riding the pine. Because we know, generally speaking, once you get into that All Blacks environment, they don't seem to release them for NPC games. It's at a whim rather than anything regular yep. or obvious, logical. Um, yeah, so yeah, maybe and and all could have you know, could have, could have had some rugby time. And same with Quintapire as well. I mean, he's still new at this level, but uh, I guess with with Quintapire especially, they'll probably want him learning the All Blacks environment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because with Braden Eno, sort of similar, and it's just like, but with Braden Eno, he's already been in that All Blacks environment, so he's picked that up, picked up. But with Quinn, yeah, you'd sort of like, hey, look, un, um, get a feel for the All Blacks environment and take take a bit of the learnings, as they say yeah. these days, and invent the words. And then the outside backs: Jordy, um, Bridge, Jordan, Dmac, and uh, Sebu Reese. There, that's Fainuku. Um, I guess, yep, yeah, is is is, um, is perhaps the only one, as you say, that might be a bit disappointed. But um, I, it's, I would, it's, it's difficult to say who, who would you drop to put him in. Effectively, George Bridge. Drop? George Bridge. Ooh. <clears throat> uh, it, look, he's he's looked he's looked a bit of out of sorts, to be honest, out in, in the time that he has spent in the field. Um, whereas, you know, I, I sort of think with Leicester, if he's going instead of using him in the midfield, use him as an outside back to start with. Um, there's no harm. I think, you know, yeah. I think he's an outside back. I don't think he's a thirteen. I think he's a. I think he's a fourteen, not a thirteen. Leicester. Yep. Well, he played a hell of a lot for the Crusaders. I know there was, um, you know, people that can read it and see it. Did see some defense, uh, defensive issues um, in his playing in the midfield, but the reality is he's he's definitely got um, a, a chance of a future in the midfield. Uh, he, yeah. If he can I, harness I, the type of game that he's got and he brings it to the midfield, then you've started. You've just created another man, not you? I just, I just, a bit like we question Rico's uh, distribution skills. Um, again, at this level, I would, uh, again, oh, look, with Leicester, I did the same. I put the same question mark there. I, I, well, to be fair, though, I mean, with the amount of ball that the Crusaders get, he got plenty of opportunity to, to, to use those centre-type skills, let's say, and I thought he actually did, did it quite well. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with his uh, overall skills, particularly his attacking skills. I think he's an exceptional player, and he will have uh, a big part to play in the future of the All Blacks, particularly, uh, you know, with with uh, th there's going to be a bit more experimenting, particularly in the midfield. And I personally feel that Leicester will, in fact, play yep. in that midfield. Not That's not true. not today, maybe tomorrow, but eventually he will have uh, uh, a decent dig in the All Blacks yeah. environment. And, and that's why I was sort of saying, hey, look, I mean, George Bridge, is it? He he played a few games back from injury the last <clears> couple <throat> of games. I think it might have been for the Crusaders. He's had a couple of games in the black jersey, you know, with against Fiji. It's just, it's something seemed to be missing for me there for him. He, um, yeah, I'd rather, yeah, is there, rather see Leicester there 
um, outside back. You've got enough experience cover there. So to bring someone like Leicester and you know, you, we've got because of COVID and 2020 was effectively a lost year. You've got a truncated build up to the next World Cup as well. So um, if you get wanting to find some unearth some gem, some diamond in the rough, you know, you've got a shorter period to do it. You have, uh, I, th I think they see George Bridge in a kind of Nick, Nick Smith, Ben Smith um, role uh, as being a guy who's just too good a footballer to lead out. And I think that's where I, th I think they see him in oh, that. In, George, in that yeah. Kind of yeah. It, it, George, George Bridge is no Sorry. Ben Smith. He's no accountant. He might just be the um, the bookkeeping guy <laughs> rather than the accountant, I think. Anyway, just, just very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so just very quickly. Um, so yeah. So so TJ, having as, to read the uh, release, having recently returned from Japan, Piranara is following a progressive return to rugby program club, then Bunnings Warehouse NBC. Uh, Finley Christie will remain with as temporary cover for the squad. Yeah. Props offer and uh, so uh, Tonga Fassi and Moody come back, um, and uh, George Bow will remain with the squad as injury cover um, mm. as they as. Uh, um, as they return, also some of um will, will stick around uh, as injury cover for us um, for a mower. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so there's a number of extra players. So there's three extra players there sticking around as injury cover already for the, for the, for the initial games um, as well. And now you bring up now you bring up the a comment from Nocturnal about you know the broken in, the broke NZRFU can afford to have uh, extend <laughs> this call to 38 from 36. <laughs> <clears throat> Hey, just, the, just on uh, Takiaho, um, you know, this is, uh, we're talking about Steve, it would have been good to have him on because he did have a discussion, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or Facebook with somebody, and it's just like, and I didn't disagree with it. Again, you know, this is a bit of enlightened stuff. It's like, um, Takiaho reminds me, uh, reminded the guys, and then when they said, I said, yeah, that's really true, is that of an Asafa a Amua, um, and, and the way that he plays the game, he's very dynamic and, you know, ball handling carry, and maybe not as fast as Zamora, but then he definitely is a lot stronger scrummager, and he's definitely a lot heavier and, uh, you know, a bigger ball of mass going into rucks and what we've just talked about, cleaning out and stuff like that. So, although, you know, yeah, you know, Stephen, Stephen, yourself, we've all talked about the fact is that that could have been a really expensive 20 minutes for uh, Takiaho, but, you know, actually, maybe if he carries on on the upward trajectory that he has, Maybe he could usurp uh, Amua. Maybe. Yeah. Look, guys, I, I have I have a very different view on Takeo. I I think this boy is going to play a huge role in the future of the All Blacks, based on what I saw, particularly his carries. I mean, you have to understand he ran at some of the heaviest, most powerful Fijians, and it yep. looked like they didn't even exist. He reminds me of Lou Ferrigno, the old school Incredible House. You know, <laughs> when he gets angry the and rips off all those clothes. The original. <laughs> Oh, his his body position and the ability to stay square, carry in his non-dominant arm, um, look square, get under, get underneath the would-be tackler. And as you know, I've been going on about these choke tackles. He gets under and he just bowls him over like nine pins. So um, I think, yep. you know, this kid's going to have a, a very bright future. He's only going to get better and better. Uh, a couple of more in PC seasons and Super Rugby. Uh, when in time, some of the senior pros, once they leave, this guy's going to become a permanent fixture. So I think the best thing he did for himself and the All Blacks is play that 20 minutes. And he sent and he sent a message. And yeah, you know, 
Cody, Cody Taylor's 34, so yes, he has, he's only got a couple of years left. Also, if you remember, um, uh, Cody Taylor was uh, was criticised as being a one-cap wonder for the game in Fiji um, a few years back that they had when uh, there was uh, when it was played at the same time as the Super Rugby final, and so hence uh, not all the players were available. Um, now, he is now a 58-cap all-black and, and arguably first choice. So, um, yeah, you've got to uh, – uh, uh, I guess – uh, yeah, but be, beware of calling people one cat wonders, even though I think Finley Christie is a two cat wonder. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I could be, I could be very much wrong. No, I mean, and it's interesting because it's a good point. This is like out of when we look at the Fiji series, one guy that took his opportunity and it was only 20 minutes or whatever it was of opportunity was Takiaho. He, he definitely, I think, um, took that 20 minutes or whatever, how many minutes he had on the field, um, by and he's basically put a stamp on the ground saying, hey, yeah, don't, yeah, I'm here. He is still a young guy. And so let's be, let's say, so he's, yeah, he's still, he's got time on his side um, as well. So yeah, so that's the All Blacks squad um, going forwards, uh, 36 plus three uh, at the moment. <laughs> and uh, um, I guess the only two sort of big injury ones, obviously Sam Kane and um, Jack Goodhue are the two that's, um, that, that sort of, sort of, sort of jump out there. Um, right, let's get on to France then, uh, or Australia, France. Um, early on, we was, had it, the... was it France B or France C? So, so yeah, so I, all right. My, my my opinion: those comments are bullshit on, on Twitter because at the end of the day, you, no team ever goes out with its first with, with, with its first choice people. There's always injuries. There's always players missing. Um, it's the team that was. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wearing the, the French jersey, so it was their first choice team or, or that they had available for that game. You can't change who you're playing against, right, for Australia. So, look, yeah, Australia came up 2-1. Um, apparently, a very good game. As I say, I passed out halfway through it. Um, the But um, shall we talk... I, 
Is there anything you want to talk about apart from the red card? And then we'll come um, and we'll come back to the red card and how it's been treated after the game. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think when we look at that Australian side, um, there's a, as you've actually mentioned, I mean, if we're talking about a France ABC side, then Australia didn't have all their strongest players there either. And I'm not, I'm not referring to the ones that Stephen Harris talks about that are playing like your skeletons and like in Europe and like. I'm, I'm talking they had a few injured players that make a difference. But, you know, Stephen and I made a bold call before the second test and this is like, oh, Australia will win that by 20 points. And it's interesting because that second test and even the third test, they're really leaving a lot of points out there on the field. Um, they get opportunities and then they'll drop a pass, whatever. So they're creating a lot of opportunities and just not finishing them. So they could have won that series a lot easier than they did. Yeah, look, overall, the quality of rugby, when I, when I, mean, when I mean the quality of rugby, was actually quite poor. There was uh, a lot of forced and unforced errors, as you rightly mentioned, um, a lot of missed opportunities. And also tactically, you know, sometimes you go, what the, you know, wh wh why are they not taking the points? You know, wh why are they trying to make it hard for themselves? So from a quality of point, uh, from a quality control point of view, as far as test rugby goes, it wasn't the best. It did have flashes of brilliance. However, what it did do was it created a very, very exciting photo finish. Um, and I think that, that glossed over some of these obvious shortcomings. So, yep. um, you know, Wallabies have um, the All Blacks first up at uh, the Fortress Eden Park. Um, I, think, I think we know what's coming, gentlemen. I think we know what's coming. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, from, from, from a quality point of view, I, I, me personally, I was quite, I felt that, uh, it, there was a lot to be decided, but, uh, gen, you know, general population and the fans, particularly the online, uh, community was raving at how close this was. And, and maybe that's what, maybe that's what, uh, a little bit of, uh, test footy first up needs where you have, you know, rather than playing a tier two nation playing, a tier one nation where we kind of even everything up and we have uh, closer matchups. You're, you're not going to have perfect rugby. You will have imperfect rugby and they'll learn and they'll take some form out of this. So let's wait and see. But I'm really looking forward to eating back. Well, let's, okay, let's go. Okay. This is the only tier one versus tier one series mm -hmm. due to COVID, right? All the other games have been tier one versus tier two uh, and, the, and the Lions hasn't kicked off yet. So, that's what I think this, this I think this series got a, a lot more attention than it would perhaps normally have done because there was no other competitive rugby, really. All the other games, uh, well, Argentina no. versus Wales, to be fair. Um, no, actually, I, I disagree with you, Paul. I, I, for some reason, France-Australia Test Series actually always seems to be not bad. A, a decent series seems to come out of it or something comes out of it. There's usually pretty good rugby comes out of it um, for some reason. Um, there's... The other thing is, I don't believe it's actually. I think if you look at it, when the Lions play, there's there's always a, a lack of um, tier one tier one matches on because the likes of Ireland, Scotland, and Wales aren't going to come play the All Blacks while they've got half their squad away, or for um, Scotland maybe one or two away with the Lions. Um, so you re realistically speaking, yeah, COVID's had an impact absolutely, but I think also the bigger impact's been the fact that there's a Lions series on. Yep. Okay. I, I, uh, the uh, uh, true. I, mean, I guess Italy haven't haven't toured, and then also the other ones. Italy. Are, are, yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, yeah Italy's well. the obvious um, one. Would you count? Would you count Italy as a tier one though? Well, technically, but no. Technically, but they aren't a TV draw 
or audience draw in, in the same way as the other tier one teams are. So, no. uh, look, I think it's got a lot of attention. I think it's, been, it's, it's been a very, as you say, they've been close, tight games, which have been fantastic. Um, which, 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 uh, for, for, so from a from an excitement point of view of the of the spectacle has been good, even if the quality of some of the rugby hasn't been, um, and, and there's, there's there's been mistakes within it. But I can understand why people are raving about it because they have been close games, so the spectacle is good, um, and it's been t- and it was a decided game as well. It's not like a dead rubber. The last one, it was yeah, one all. They won two one as well. So I think from all that point of view, I think it's played out perfectly. Um, yep. well, we had a, we had a, a, a last second uh, score in the first one with France messing it up. The, the second game was close, and so look, yeah. So it's been a it's been a cracking cracking series. Anyway, I, I think um, I think it's been good for Australian rugby as well. I mean, if mm. I read somewhere that fact that it actually outrated the uh, AFL game that was on at the time, so um, that's good. I mean, again. Even though, you know, obviously they lost the second test, but it went to a decider, which helps build interest. They didn't make, uh, an Australian team didn't make it to the Super Rugby Trans-Pasman final. But again, there was still, because of the closeness in their internal competition, that's starting to build some interest. So, you know, it's it's all helping with the, um, to, to build, build to rebuild the, the Phoenix from the Ashes type scenario that is Australian rugby. Oh, I, I personally believe Australia is, is on the up. It's, it's, it's still got a long yeah. way to go. Well, it's got a long way to go, but it's, I think, I think it's, it's hit the corner. bottom, and and it's hit bottom, and is and is and is and is heading in the right direction. We, yeah. And I think a lot of that's down to having a, a, um, a TV company covering it that actually likes rugby and doesn't and doesn't talk negatively about it all the time. Yeah. Um, and a good mate. <laughs> Corey Betty got a red card. Um, now. The uh, obviously a big hoo ha at the time um, because uh, um, because um, essentially of the I think the, the reaction by the French player rather than necessarily to my mind what actually happened as part of the collision the um, and there is an argument that people say oh yeah um, the react I've um, people say look the, how the French player reacts didn't alter how the referees looked at the how the referee, how the referees looked at the situation. No, but it can make them look at it when they wouldn't have looked at it necessarily um, from that point of view. So simulation is something that needs to be sorted out. The guy held the other side of his head that then that, 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 that got hit, which is just so. He held the top of his face and he got yeah, hit down uh, here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he, held his, uh, he held his left cheekbone when he actually, the contact was somewhere on the uh-huh. neck and right yeah. chin. So yeah, yeah. it's bad, bad yeah, Paul so, Newman sort of. Yeah. So yeah, so yes, there was um, as oh, yeah, as uh, um, so there was Hollywood um, part of that. Now, Nocturnal Rights says that the, the Hollywood scores it was actually a yellow. Well, let's run through the um, the guidelines then. Was there contact with the head? Yes. Was there excessive? Was there a sudden drop by the player? No. no. Yes, he yes he was bending over and he was down it a bit, but he was but there wasn't a sudden drop. Um, there. So, look, I, I, I don't think that the referees, I think referees followed what they were told to follow on the pitch. Let's let's put oh, our cards on the table, though, Paul. I think let's put the cards on the table because, yep. as 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 we mentioned before, there's we have got a little bit of a group chat going with the guys that come on the show, and at the end of the day, what what do we got on there? Six six guys, seven guys on there. Yep. <laughs> And and no, we we there wasn't really a debate within that within the group. 
we we no. all thought it's a red card. We all, to a T, thought it was a red card. We basically we tried to say, can we get any mitigation? But the reality was there was none. We, yeah. And, and it's, I, I, it's, as I made a comment, it's just like it just feels like I'm not saying that this was the case, um, but it just feels like that with all the 90% of social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or whatever, was basically, <laughs> oh, the ref's got it wrong, and it's just like, oh, it shouldn't have been a card even, or it should have been a yellow, or blah, 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 right? And it's just like, it's like the judiciary's almost, and World Rugby has sort of heard that and gone, oh, shit, we better not make it a, we better not make it a red card. But the reality well, is, is that the protocols that you've just outlined, um, hmm. and the guys that actually know the protocols go, according to the protocols, that's a red card. Now, I've not got as far as the, the, the judiciary yet, but I can. Um, Bella, anything you want to say before we get to judiciary? So, the high tackle framework, the World Rugby's high tackle framework, has been in operation since 2018. So, nothing new. Uh, I've I've studied this for the last four and a half years. I have an alternate framework which is called Safe Tackle Framework. But I'm not going to get into all that. For me, the real danger in this is. Uh, nine out of ten people in the rugby public now have been in, uh, have been given the endorsement to, to to say that it's okay for players to enter into a tackle round about this region, because now there's there's an official document which the judiciary has said no, it didn't meet the threshold of the uh, high tackle framework. Yeah, whereas their own officials on game day, after looking at different angles from twenty six different cameras, said. It did. So I I have two key issues here. One, Ben O'Keefe, I've, I've been the biggest critic of referees. I feel sorry for the guy. I, I really yeah. do because he's been he's been thrown under the bus along with the rest into the scrap heap. And uh, well, let's let, let's, let's just you, bring up the, know, uh, bring up the 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 the, the thing. So there's there's, what, there's a couple things I want to I want to say here because um, what what's so about judiciary. Uh, so first off is um, that. Um, uh, Corabetti comes on, uh, and, um, uh, and and as you can see here, the player Marika Corabetta uh, admitted to technically committing a, an act of foul play worthy of a red card. So he's admitted it's, it's a red card, and he's happy with it. That's the first piece. Um, and uh, and then the, um, the 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 bit that I that that that, um, uh, that, that really gets me um, surprised is grind your gears. That, the, the, just, just, well, no, just, just totally confuse it. Well, that, that, bit, that bit grinds my gears. In fact, someone admits it's red, and then you say it's not. You're like, well, what the? That just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I just killed someone. Like, hey, yeah, now you're in the same way you go. <laughs> and then, and then the, the second piece is here that um, uh, through the, uh, the uh, contact to the chest and neck was incidental by Corabetti. <laughs> now, where in anything is the, the, of, of, of the laws is whether it's incidental or not. It's a yeah. Oh. And, yeah. It's like, so we, we, we've known for a long time. Yes. We've known for a long time. That, who cares? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter whether it's intentional or not. If it's contact to the red, it's red card. We've known this now for a while. So, uh, and, and, uh, what, and what this says is, this gives an open endorsement to teams who are, you know, willfully and deliberately practicing this technique where they target the shoulder line. The reality is there's always going to be secondary contact. 
And furthermore, we now have a formal judicial document by World Rugby saying, look, if you get secondary contact to the head and if you lose your teeth or have to go to the dentist or get contact, it's okay. So long as the initial hit is round about here, it's fully legal. Now, high-performance coaches, and I'm, being very, I'm going to be very critical of Dave Rennie here. He is someone who advocates this type of tackle technique, which is called the choke tackle. My personal and professional opinion, I think the choke tackle is the biggest blight in the modern game. It needs to be outlawed. It needs to be taken out. What needs to happen is we need to see an active lowering of the tackle height from shoulder to sternum i.e. my program, which is a safe tackle framework or safe tackle line. And also keep in mind, gentlemen, Marika Koroibiti had 22 meters, a good 22 meters to make up his mind as to where he was going to enter into the tackle. He made a decision to go round about here on that chin, chin line. The officials had, uh, you know, they had their say, they went through the protocol. And, and, and this to me is just spineless, confusion, uh, caving into social media. But I, I have to say one thing, though. This red card is, is, is scenario is not going to work. We have to come up with an alternate sanction. Again, I'm going back to my framework, the orange card, where unless it's an outright act of violence or foul play, reserve the red card for it and then go to judiciary and sort it out. But what World Rugby have now done is created even more confusion and they've given an endorsement that, hey, it's okay. You can target the, the higher area of the body, i.e. the shoulder, so long as it's secondary contact and it's incidental. It's fine. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. That is so, what has happened. Yep. Yeah, now, uh, in here, Nocturnal's um, <clears throat> talking about the fact that it was first contact was below the head and carried on to the head was below. Now, looking at the framework, which I brought up for you here, if we just zoom in. You might in, want to blow it up full screen. I will try to. Um, but uh, the, the high tackle says shoulder or head um, degree of danger. There's nothing here about about whether it's where where it's whether it starts there or not. It's about just whether whether you hit. Now mitigation in this bottom corner. I can uh, bring it up. It's a bit blurry, but it says contact is indirect, starts somewhere on the body and then slips or moves up, resulting in minor contact to the um, head or neck. Now the not. The, the, the hitting the body first, then going up, is all about whether it's minor contact. If it's minor contact, then there's mitigation. If there's hard contact, which was in this case, there is no mitigation. That, that is not mitigation if it does it, that it starts somewhere else. It doesn't matter where it starts if it's still um, still a high degree of danger. So, yeah, that that mitigation doesn't uh, doesn't count nocturnal. And again, poor explanation of the high tackle framework by commentators doesn't help in this situation. Well, that's, that's because they don't know the ins and outs of it. And, and there's just yeah. far too much confusion. And what players and coaches and referees and people like ourselves, uh, commentators, we all have a very different view of this. And because World Rugby think that everyone is going to spend three <laughs> hours of their life reading this whole framework, uh, which is not the case, this is why we're having this confusion. So we have to simplify, give it more clarity. And it, it's got to be pragmatic. You know, this is this is like trying to uh, trying to herd cats who uh, who, who are never going to fall in line. It's it is impractical. It is uh, it's a joke. It it really is. And this you know this does my head in every time we have to go over this. And and for how long do we have to have keep having these conversations? I mean, every year 
an incident like this comes up and we have this grand old debate and then it gets swept under the carpet and world rugby are in the hope that uh, look she'll be all right so this needs to change um and and some common sense has to prevail yeah look i mean i think um steve steve harris has sort of mentioned this a couple of times and i'm i'm, I'm buying into this more and more and the fact is that just just do the league thing just do it you have an incident on field it goes on report um and then it's dealt with off the field they then they've got a chance of at least making it consistent what the hell they decide um and then people don't rave on about the impact that it had on the game you can still have a red card for intentional foul play um but you know for anything yeah this is like take it to the take it to a match report sort of scenario and go from there but you know like the, the whole thing it's just it's confused as you just alluded to it's just confusing people more and more Whereas the the laws of the game, the the guidelines for the games state one thing, and then the actions actually show another. Yeah, look, red, red, orange, Sorry, yellow. Yellow. We're, all, we're nearly an hour in already, guys. But um, but yeah, we, we we I think we all agree that the referees being thrown under the bus, um, the the TMO and the ARs have got out have got away lucky because their names not being mentioned, uh, and Ben O'Keefe is getting is taking all the flack, which is harsh, um, and I don't think he should miss out. Or be punished in any way. He did what he was told to do. Paul Dunley. Yep. Um, the Sav says the, 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 there's no black and white in law rugby laws. So are we surprised? Yeah. Well, look, it, it's we have a game where basically players are told to cheat until the referee tells them not to. So yeah, that's what we get, and uh, it is. It's not a it, yeah. It is not a surprise. Um, Paul, what, what, one thing I have to say is okay. sorry. One one thing I have to say is now with with all the hoo ha around concussion and head safety. You know, we can't have one foot here and one foot there. We we, we have to come up with a, a very easy, simple, understandable framework. So at the moment, that's not there. And this is only going to get worse. So I'll guarantee you with guys like Lockie Swinton coming into the, I think one of the uh, viewers, I think it was Nocturnal, made mention about it. I'll guarantee you there will be cards. There will be a plethora of cards. Or conversely, World Rugby will go to its shell and cave right in. And we're going to see some tremendous hits. We're going to see people get hurt and no cards issued. So it's going to be a very interesting period walking on eggshells. What's going to be really interesting is I mean, what we've, what, one thing we've talked about is that New Zealand referees uh, and uh, funnily enough, the judiciary in this were all New Zealand, New Zealanders um, have tried to find mitigation whenever possible with high hits and try to try not to give out red cards. Once, uh, whereas it's an Aussie referee, funnily enough, giving out a red card. Uh, and he's, then the New Zealand, and I say three Kiwis, have then gone no. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in November when the when, you, when the All Blacks go up north uh, and uh, amongst European refs and European judiciaries and see what happens then. Okay, just a, just a, a final, final word on it. Doesn't help in the game with <clears> the lack of consistency, right? Because yeah, I can't exactly. remember the French try scorer scores the try with the elbow in the throat. Yeah, I'm away from the body. You can't be Well, it yeah. doesn't matter whether it's away okay, from the body or not. It's okay. There's the so, arm and the, is, is into the throat. Well, no, if your arm's here holding the okay. ball, then... But if no, it no, doesn't matter. Well, no. Okay, so, if so, you want so to so you've, got to bring it, you've got to deal with it. You say, no, you can't carry the ball like that. Just like you can't tackle like that. You can't carry the ball like that. Exactly. So that. My counter-argument is, had the bloke not tackled in an upright position, and had he not put his hand up, he would have lost his teeth. So it's it's whether that so this would then become incidental. 
because it's a reflection. <laughs> no. You see what I mean? Anyway, so hmm. yeah. the um, anyway, so um, moving on from uh, from that, then because uh, I think it's clear as mud as it was before we started. Um, other international rugby from this week. Uh, actually, two, two things. Actually, Simon goes and says we should have a, ref uh, a referee as part of the commentary team. No. To be allowed to commentate, you should have to take a referee's course. Yeah. That would be my my one. So actually know what the hell you're talking about. Um, and then secondly, Simon says, um, uh, good that we've got a new, uh, there's a new sports radio station that can, uh, that they've got something to talk about this week because of this. Um, have either of you guys listened to um, SENZ yet? Never will. Okay. There's a good reason. Well, I've, it's I've, on AM. I've, I've, I've oh, actually, I've, I thought you were going to say it's because they sacked the other guy. <laughs> no, okay. It's because it's AM. All right. <laughs> oh, and they I've, sacked I've, the other guy. I've, I've actually been asked to uh, come on for 20 minutes, particularly to talk about this high tackle framework and the red card. So, um, oh, and cool. speaking of AM, I, I have no issues because it's it's one, one four seven six AM in Auckland. So nice and easy. I just do not this. <laughs> Oh no! But the problem is that you always get interference on bloody AM network. What? I don't understand it. How that? How the hell can you not have an FM bloody that, frequency? That, that's where you get. That's where you get an old school analog built in 1969. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so have you actually listened to any of it yet, um, Bo? Or have you just you just been invited? Well, I have listened a little bit. Look, they've got some. You know, they've got a staff-studded cast. You know, guys like. Brendan McCullum's on there uh, doing the breakfast. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. So only time will tell how much of a, a, a you know listenership or audience they garner. Um, and and you know, hopefully they come out and speak about most of the issues in an open, uh, candid manner, and that'll probably get the communal engagement. So I guess we should wait and see, Paul. Yep, uh, it is available as a phone app as well, but I've, mm -hmm. I've not tried the phone app yet. I've not listened to it, so we'll see. Um, generally, I don't listen to uh, I, I listen to podcasts. Rather than uh, rather than radio, so um, yeah, we'll see. Well, maybe, maybe uh, it's, uh, I might give it a go at some point. Um, <laughs> I like this side. Yeah, uh, the only downside with the station is there's way too many Sky people on it. Oh, no, is, uh, I mean that, that, that's a, such a valid comment. <laughs> such a valid comment because at the end of the day, let, let's face it. One of the th issues that we've had with Sky shows in general, that ones that we watch they're not very controversial. They don't really push the boat out very far in terms of saying, in terms of opinion, they're pretty much toe the party line um, type of shows. So if they do that on Sky, what's the chances of them doing it on a radio show? Well, they'll lose their Sky job as well. So hence they won't. So, but look, Jason Pine, before he retired, before he resigned, uh, did most of the hiring for this. And he's a Sky t uh, football commentator. So unsurprising that he would, uh, that he, he's hired a whole bunch of Sky people so that people he knows and gets well, on think, with. Um, so I think it's I think it's just more the fact that there's a shallow pool to choose from, tell you the truth, rather than... Reality is that where do those people that are on Sky come from? They came from radio. <clears throat> so Piney knows them not just from Sky, but because he's been in radio for so long, he's known that back in the radio days, now they're at yeah. Sky, and yeah, so it's just the circle, merry-go-round. Yeah, there are very few. You're quite right. Um and uh, it's a cricket question, so we'll leave it to another time. But uh, Aaron does say, will Brendan interview Chris Cairns? I don't know the, the background behind that, but uh, um, the uh, Swing from the Hit podcast can, uh, can deal with that one. Uh, Maybe for a few diamonds. For a few diamonds. Or dollars. Or pennies. The, um, 
Uh, so look, we've, 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 we've kind of run out of time. We'll, we'll just run through some um, uh, some of the other international stuff that happened at the weekend. Um, Simon, um, at the top of the show, let, let us know that um, Algeria, Burkina Faso, Faso um, Ivory Coast, Kenya, Namibia, Senegal, U Uganda and Zimbabwe are all through to the next round of the African uh, qualifiers. So congratulations to all of them. And uh, we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think we're all expecting Namibia to get through, but they did lose a game um, quite surprisingly. There's no Kenya. Oh, you know, Kenya's there as well. So yeah, I don't think we've lost anybody, um, any any major teams there yet. Um, at the weekend, yeah, Argentina beat Wales 11-33. So good win by Argentina mm -hmm. um, away from home there. Um, South Africa, A, lost to the Bulls, 14-17. Um, so, hey, um, hey, hey. <laughs> um, and um, the British and Irish Lions uh, beat the Stormers three to forty-nine, uh, and of course, congratulations to Samoa, who um, beat um, uh, Tonga uh, fifteen thirty-seven uh, to win twenty-eight seventy-nine on aggregate um, to qualify for the Rugby World Cup. Um, so, um, on away goals. <laughs> um, on a on a way calls yeah and boundaries apparently uh, <laughs> count back. um so um so so yeah so congrats so uh uh so that they're, they're through there that means that uh um tonga will be facing the um oh, i've gone blank who is it tonga straight into the pool i think they they'll be uh, pulled in with uh no, 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 no. They're going to go through a ripper charge type scenario. Yeah, they, 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 they have yeah. to play the Cook Islands and That's South right, Korea. So this weekend. Yeah, Korea. That was the one. Korea. This weekend, they are South playing the Cook Islands. Uh, that is part of a double header uh, at Counties Manukau. <clears throat> uh, first off, they're going to have the uh, Counties Manukau, uh, Counties Power Heat, uh, playing Bay of Plenty in the Farrah Palmer Cup at 235 kickoff. And that's followed by the Tonga versus Cook Islands at 535. Um, so double header there uh, at uh, Navigation Home Stadium in uh, Pocono um, this that's a bit Saturday. Of a setup. That's a bit of a setup for the old Cook Islanders. The um, well, they, they mean, the, the, so the Cook Islands have lost to Tasman and the uh, New Zealand in the twenties in the last two weekends. They've had a couple of warm up <laughs> games, um, right. which, is, which is which is good to see. But um, nothing's nothing's like I mean, like yeah, playing. Tonga playing Samoa is, you know, it's it's still. I mean, like you look at the intensity in those games, and it, although obviously the score blows out in that second half, Tonga puts up a decent, uh, decent fight early early on. Oh look, Tonga is going to win this one. I say the Cook Islands have lost to the under, the New Zealand under twenties yeah. and to, to Tasman. Yeah, if they've beaten those two, you could then say, oh look, they're rolling into this with an mm. under bit of confidence. Yeah. A bit of confidence, yeah, but they're not undercooked because they've, <laughs> they've lost in the last two. You put them against more 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 intense opposition, they might have just have more injuries. Um, <laughs> so only ten only ten dollars to get in, folks, for that, which I think is a great deal um, for those two games. Uh, so yeah, head and, and kids under fourteen are free. Um, thank you to Pack and Save um, Pocono for paying for that. So there you go. Um, so that's happening this weekend. Uh, the Farrah Palmer Cup, there are, I, I, and I'm, whilst I've not applied for my NPC and Farrah Palmer Cup media passes yet, but I might try and get along to those two um, as there is that, as it is World Cup qualifier. Um, other games this weekend, we've got uh, North Harbour playing Tasman, uh, Hawke's Bay up against Northland, 
Waikato against Canterbury, um, Manawatu versus Taranaki, the counties against Bay of Plenty, and then on Sunday, Otago versus Auckland in the Farrah Palmer Cup, folks. Um, obviously, we're running out of time, otherwise we'll spend a little bit more time talking about that. It kicked off last weekend with three games with expected results, to be honest with you. Auckland, Canterbury and Wellington winning. Oh. Huge shout out to Eden Rugby Club. Uh, first yes. appearance at the Gallagher Shield final in 99 years and, you know, well-deserved and an outstanding game against the Red Out Ferrets, Grammar Tech. And I thought, uh, Eden, they played to the conditions, nice and low body positions, just one out, you know, one back carriers, but they did the business and they played smart rugby. They played territory. Uh, Eden Park was uh, an irrigated surface, I have to say, with the deluge, which is downpouring. So well done to Eden. Uh, rich, fully deserved winners of 2021 Gala Shield for the Auckland Senior Club Rugby Premiership. I'd have to say, though, Bo, I, I, mm. I, you're like, whilst Grammar, if on a fine day, Grammar might have gone in as, fa- um, as favourites. I think with the conditions as they were, I, I don't think that you would have put your money on Eden to win that because that um, their type five in particular, massive, absolutely huge. And, um, you know, you sort of think they'll run out of puff or something, but they didn't. They went the full 80. And as long as they went the full 80 and could tuck the ball up, the jumpers, they, you know, they got the job done and, the, and played to the conditions, as you, as you alluded to. Um, so what I might find yeah, um, is, is see if we can have a, um, maybe, maybe do a special show on Thursday evening, see if we can get some Stephen Harris along as well and do a, uh, <clears> and do a special um, club rugby finals driving ball show. And uh, because I say, to, 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 deal, to give them a little bit of justice um, with that one. Um, yeah, they, just, they, they just wanted it more in the day. You know, that's, I mean, that's how I took it uh, because, you, you know, conditions are atrocious. It was a dour game. Um, one thing I have to say is Eden, their body position, both in attack and defense, was nice and low, whereas the grammar boys were very high and they, they paid the price because every time they went into contact, the ball popped up. Ding. So, basically, <laughs> rugby 101. Yeah. soap. Um, Simon Hughes says, is there any point in playing the Farrah Palmer Cup at Eden Park? Um, well, look, last weekend it was club's final day, so it was one of three, what, probably three games or four games being held at Eden Park. So, but um, normally... Yeah. It no, was, look, I really mean, because... just just to, I mean, as, as Paul alluded to, it was part of the Gallagher Shield final um, day there. So um, if the weather wasn't so crap, because it was a shocker, um, you usually get to the Gallagher Shield, you get about 10,000 people rocking up. Um, depending on who the club's playing are. Um, let, let's say it was a Ponsonby versus, I don't know, Marist or someone like that. You end up with about 10,000 people turning up to watch that game. So um, it's a shame that the weather was crap. Um, you probably would have got a few more people there, even just um, independ- um, independence, not independence, but you know what I mean. Yeah, independent of the, of the Farrah Barman Cup, yeah. Certainly. No, independent um, of the um, of the of the teams who are like in the, they're in the Gallagher Shield final. Oh, I see. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Whoever was playing, um, but yeah, yeah but, but quite right. Look, Farrah Palmer um, Cup games in big stadiums, look, I mean, NPC games in big stadiums, um, are a bit of a waste of time, in all honesty. Uh, Eden Park is too big for Auckland to play in, uh, at the end of the day, but they do because hey, they can afford to, and B, it's got good camera positions for Sky. I was just going to say that one of the problems you got, like, I mean, like Farrah Palmer Cup's a good example where they could take it to Waitakere Trust, for example. Yep. But the problem is, is that you you don't get your camera angles, and so and as we can we see with um, Canterbury rugby down at um, Orange Theory, you know, it's, watching the game at time can get frustrating from in front of the ca- on the couch, I should say, because 
the angles that they show are just horrible sometimes. So yes, that's the only only the, the only reason for, for being at the big stadiums. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we'll see teams like um, Waikato, uh, Wellington, um, maybe even Otago moving out of the big stadiums and playing in smaller stadiums going forward because of the cost and the savings of it. I know uh, uh, on the, um, the, the Waikato, it's their centenary year this year, which is one of the reasons why they're playing at FMG. I, I would be, um, I would not be surprised at all if, um, uh, if Waikato move out of FMG stadium next year. Yeah, there are, you know, um, there are plenty of communal esplanades and, you know, smaller stadiums where you pack it out and it's easy access to the community. And, you know, it's going to create a better environment. I mean, in Auckland, I yep. can think of, you know, four or five really good venues. And I think that's what needs to happen. Uh, rather than playing Eden Park West half the time, it's like playing in Ghost Town. So to, to me, it makes zero sense. Uh, and it goes completely against what they're trying to achieve, which is community rugby with communal spirit. Okay, that's what they should be trying to achieve. Though that's whether that's actually what Auckland rugby are trying to achieve is a different ball game. Um, plus, also, I, w- I would be sad if it moved out of Eden Park because the um, the food they provide in the, uh, the the media box is the best food in the country. Um, but I'll, I'll be I'll be the, the life come across. I'll we wouldn't know. So the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah. Yeah. So all we hear is how overpriced the hot dogs and chips are in the general general stand. So you know, Paul must be doing something right. The satay sticks <laughs> and the uh, the, the tempura, <clears throat> tempura prawns are very cheap and nice in the uh, <laughs> free. <laughs> oh dear. Um, we we had a bunch of other stuff to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about the Lions test this coming weekend and. Uh, um, that uh, uh, as well, but I don't think we've really got um, got time to do it justice. Um, I will be. Um, it'll be, that, that'll obviously be an early hours of Sunday morning um, game at uh, four a.m. Sunday morning. So I'll be up at that time uh, and doing a post-match reaction straight after that game. Um, so uh, the uh, Springboks versus British and Irish Lions first test. So do um, join me for that one. Um, and um, guys. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. Uh, and I'd say maybe we'll try and do a, a, a club rugby finals game on um, on Thursday. And uh, folks, keep an eye out for the Tasman social media um, going forwards because the um, um, what's uh, because uh, the um, oh I've gone blank. Oh, the, the legendary Marty Banks um, web web page person is now the Tasman Marcos um, social media manager. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what happens there. Um, and Aaron, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there's no the only time I've ever had a beer at um, the rugby as 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 a, as a kind of media person um, was for the win by um, when Waikato won their final. Well, we all got one bottle of beer, so hardly um, hardly bigging it up. But hey, they did manage to um, to find at least one beer uh, on that day when Waikato got promoted. But uh, thank you very much, Boa. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. brown people look the same to him and I will see you um, all as I say uh, if not before straight after the uh, Lions versus um, the uh, Springboks <laughs> <laughs>